Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Listening to Table Talk here at the Philadelphia Sports Table Podcast Show, the longest running weekly Philly sports podcast show in the world. That's right, 10 years strong. We've got a great discussion coming your way this week. Man, I got to tell you, this 76ers and Celtics series is like, oh my gosh, it's killing my heart. Like, I think my heart's going to stop <laughs> so many freaking times uh, during this series. Yeah, I know. If you saw me, you'd be like, yeah, of course, Jeff, your heart's going to stop. Anyway, we have got a great discussion on Table Talk this week, but we're going to be getting into this series. We've got a great guest coming your way. Let's get to it. And joining us from Liberty Ballers, we absolutely love having him on the show to get into this Sixers and Celtics series here. Again, from LibertyBallers.com, the one and only Harrison Grimm. How you doing, Harrison? Jeff, man, how's it going? It's, it's great to be back, and I'm, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about on this podcast. There's not <laughs> too much stuff going on. No, I'm just I know. <laughs> this, this, this series has been phenomenal. There, there's so much to talk about. My gosh. Um, very, very excited to dive into it with you. Absolutely. Look, I, I, I think that some of us had certain expectations coming into this series because it's like, okay, against the Celtics, and the Celtics give problems to the Sixers in this regard, or they're an issue with regard to this specific person on offense or on defense. But we are at this point, as, as of us recording this on May 8th, folks, Series is tied at 2-2. We're going to see at least a couple more games here, for sure, for sure. So um, I I really wanted to get into our discussion here, Harrison, like right off the bat, just knowing that this series was going to be tough, you know, so to kind of start off with a two-part question here, I think as we, what we've been seeing in four games thus far from both of these teams, what is most concerning for you about the Sixers? over these next two or three games, something that's been persistent that we have been seeing? I, I know I have my my answer. What what is what is your answer? What's most concerning for you about the Sixers at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I, I think two areas of concern immediately pop into my mind. Uh, the first of which is, is Tyrese Maxine, Tobias Harris. They've obviously have yep. had a really, really tough series, especially on the offensive end. And you know, they're both not lockdown defenders. They've definitely been competing uh, as of late in the past game or so, especially Maxi. I thought he had some good defensive moments in uh, game four, but they just got to get more production out of those guys. Uh, Joel and James have been terrific, but 
even if they can just get one of those guys to produce an efficient 20 points, I think it would be a huge boost. Um, and then going to this, the second part of your question about uh, what, what is the most concerning aspect or the number one thing that I'll be watching heading into game five, uh, and that's James Harden, believe it or not. Now, we've seen two tremendous yeah. games from James Harden. Uh, game game one and game four, he, he dropped over 40 points, which yep. is pretty, pretty <laughs> crazy to say. I, I, I can't speak for you, but I, if you told me that James Harden was going to have two 40-point performances against the Celtics, <laughs> Heading in, I, I was I would be ecstatic at that news. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but those games two and three performances were just they, they they weren't just off nights. They were just bad games all around. He wasn't aggressive. You saw him pass up multiple shots, and and the range in which we've seen James Harden play in this series has been so dynamic. And and there's good James Harden and there's bad James Harden, and there's such a big gap in between them. So. Yeah. I'll, I'll be watching to see which which version of James Harden are we going to get in Game Five, and the truth is the Sixers probably just need him to be somewhere in between what we've seen out of those two versions. Absolutely, I, I think for me, you actually kind of nailed what my biggest concern is: the fact that we're not seeing much gray from James Harden. It's so black and white with him. He is going to perform terribly on the court, or he is going to perform like holy crap, James Harden from like freaking five, six years ago. He's, Mm -hmm. you know, he is, he is going to be, I think the key for this team to move forward to the Eastern conference finals. But he is my biggest concern because there is absolutely no gray with him. But on the flip side of things here, Harrison, what gives you the most hope that they can weather these concerns and actually come out and win this series? Yeah. I I mean, that's a great question. I think, believe it or not i think james harden is also the answer to that because (laughs) because if he if he's that guy and i'm not saying he needs to drop 40 a game right uh even if if, even if it's an efficient 20 or or 25 points i think it just lifts this team up so much um to the point where it it gives me some confidence heading into game five and i think that the sixers and, and james most specifically just because of his experience know how pivotal this game is going to be. So I hope that they go into this game with some urgency. A big part of why they won game four was they they had a bit of a cushion early on. They had that yeah. like 15-point lead. Um, if they can go and establish any kind of cushion um, in this next game, I think that would be huge. Uh, we're going to get to that lead, actually. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. I think it's interesting how you tweeted out, I, I think it was earlier today, James Harden in this Celtic series, f- averaging 40 minutes per game, 28.8 points per game, 6.3 rebounds per game. His assist, he's at 7.5. These are great numbers. And, and if he is actually able to continue with this average, it's going to be a good thing for the Sixers. You know, the consistent the continuity from James Harden I think is going to pay dividends in terms of them getting out of this series and getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. But moving along here, Harrison, too, we we have to talk about this subject because it's been pretty terrible, in my opinion, and that's the officiating in this series. Look, many years ago, we've been doing this podcast show, my co-host and I, for 10 years at this point, and earlier on, we would get on officials for a lot of stuff. Over the years, we've kind of just put that to rest, but man, I have got to say, in this particular series, the officiating has been freaking terrible, god-awful, the inconsistency quarter by quarter is absolutely baffling and mind-boggling. And I'm wondering, is there 
anything the NBA can actually do about this? I mean, what have your thoughts been with regard to the officiating and whether or not the NBA can actually step in and say, hey, guys, you know, let's get some consistency here. Yeah, and and here's the thing. When, when it comes to, to being a ref, I do have some sympathy for those guys right, just right. because it, it is a really hard job to yeah. do. And when you're, you're talking about NBA athletes, they're going hard, they're going fast. It's really hard to get things right sometimes in real time. But that being said, I, I think most of the inconsistency that, that you're seeing is more a problem with the NBA rules than necessarily it is with the officials. I okay. think like like the gray area, for example, for, for a charge or a block, like there's a lot of gray area with that. Yeah. There's also <laughs> continuation issues. You don't know what is or isn't going to be an and one. And I think the NBA just really needs to go in and kind of clean that stuff up. Uh, now, we, we've seen some rough officiating. Some officiating has favored the Celtics over the past few games. Uh, most recently in that, that game four that went into overtime. Um, and, and part of that just kind of falls on the Sixers. And, and I know that's not necessarily what fans want to hear, but you don't want the refs to be in a situation where they got to make a tough call that may or may not decide the game. Right. Um, and, and the Sixers in game four, they, they found themselves in overtime fighting for their lives because they coughed up that double digit lead. So it's all about just executing when you can. And, and hopefully, like I said, creating that cushion. So it doesn't get to the point where an official needs to decide the game. Absolutely. I mean, I think for me, part of the enraging aspect of the officiating is the lack of calls too. I, I'm Jason Tatum, that push off in game four that, that mm-hmm. was not called. And it was at a pretty key moment of the game. And it's like, man, it's like, how does that not get called? And I, I guess to follow up here, and look, I'm gonna I'm gonna put on a tinfoil hat here, and for the <laughs> listeners, you know, the, the listeners know here that I'm I'm not a conspiracy type of guy or anything like that. I'm really not like that at all. Um, but and, and but I'm wondering, like, are you one of those individuals who thinks the NBA really wants to see certain teams it, it, throughout these series, you know, move ahead? move ahead because it's good for advertising. It's good for intrigue in the game. And maybe, you know, the league might take it upon themselves to communicate their desires with the referees at some point during these series that they'd like these games to go a certain way. (laughs) I'm wondering, do you think there's any validity to that? Again, I have my tinfoil hat on here. I'll take it off in just a minute, but what are your thoughts here, Harrison? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a really interesting question because, you know, from a number standpoint, the NBA is a business and obviously yeah. businesses want to do well. They want to maximize their profit. And, you know, w- whether or not it is a real or real or real or fake thing, that is, that is a factor. And, you know, part of me just wants to dispel all of that because there's been evidence in the past of small markets making it to the NBA finals. Right. Uh, right. Most notably the, the, the Spurs back in, in 2014 around that time area. Yep. But th- there is evidence of it and, and documentaries of it in the past, in the early 2000s. And whether that is or is not a thing is, is up to anyone. But I, I mean, I would lean towards no. I would hope it's no. But I hope. <laughs> that's such a difficult question. <laughs> I know. I know. Look, every time... Every time the officials, you know, make a terrible call against the Sixers, a non-call or whatever, you know, we get so upset and I find myself thinking, you know what, this damn NBA, they just want a Celtics-Lakers series. That's all they want. Celtics-Lakers. So anyway, I'm going to take off the tinfoil hat now at this point as we're moving along. And folks, really quick, if you're not following Harrison on Twitter, he's absolutely fantastic. He is a great follow at Harrison underscore Grimm. 
Give them a follow. Give Liberty Ballers a follow as well. Uh, they do great, great work. Um, let, let's get into Tyrese Maxey because you mentioned him earlier, and I wanted to talk about him because sometimes he is just such a puzzle out there on the floor. And, and, and a friend of mine recently said he thinks Maxey is actually overrated because of how he performs in the regular season, which... I really don't necessarily agree with at all, but some people do feel that way. I do not feel like Tyrese Maxey is overrated by any stretch of the imagination. You might, you might. So wh- I'm wondering within this series too, why does why does Maxey have such a difficult time against the Celtics? We have seen it in the regular season as well, but I don't know what what's the situation and the issue with him that we're seeing out there. Yeah, and and I think that when you look at Tyrese's playoffs as a whole, I think this is the first series where he's really struggled. He was really good um, in, in the Brooklyn series. He was part of the yeah. reason the Sixers got that sweep and got Joel some extra rest time. So just focusing in on this series, though, I think the Celtics are the most equipped team to go against someone like Tyrese. If you just look at their roster, obviously you got the Jays, uh, Tatum and Brown, who are athletic, lots of length. Um, and while they may not be able to keep up with Tyrese's speed, th- there's so much length and athleticism on that team that it can really yeah. bother him. And then getting down kind of a bit more into the nitty gritty, uh, the Celtics arguably have the best guard rotation in the NBA. Yep. Um, you got Marcus Smart, who's a defensive player of the year. You got Derek White, who's one of the more underrated players in the league. He's coming off a fantastic series against Atlanta, where at times, he was the best guard in that series with, with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. He's a really capable guard. He hasn't had the same impact um, in this series necessarily, but still he's someone that can really bother Tyrese, a uh, really good anticipation, wingspan, all that stuff. And then you also got Malcolm Brogdon, who has definitely lost the step, I think. Uh, defensively, we, we've seen James Harden kind of picking on him a little bit. Yeah, uh, but he's an, he's another guy who's a big guard with lots of weight. Uh, he can cause some issues. So I, I think it just ultimately comes down to this series. I think the Celtics are just very equipped to handle someone like Tyrese, and you know, hopefully he has a big game coming up here in, in the next game or two because they're really going to need him. They do. Yeah, absolutely. They do. Like you said earlier, they need some, they need that little bit more from him or even Tobias Harris, who I've ext- been extremely disappointed with. At the end of the half yesterday, I, th- I, th- I think he had two points. It was either two points or four points I think he had, which it, it's not good enough. That's not going to yeah. cut it in this series against the Boston Celtics. And uh, Harris, I, I think one of the bigger stories – coming out of game four is that Philly stopped playing into Boston's hands. And, and, and I think I wanted to get into this a little bit more, you know, letting Harden doing his dribbling for like 20 seconds, then, then a step back for three points with Jalen in his face. And the success that we saw, and you mentioned it earlier, the success we saw in game four when they move the ball around the court, you know that, that they allowed Maxi to initiate more. They, they got the ball to Embiid earlier. That's how they got that big lead in the first half. And we need to see a lot more of that. We need to see a lot more of that consistently in Game Five, Game Six. So, how did they stick to that consistent type of game plan uh, throughout? You know, these next how many how many quarters that they're going to be playing? What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point that you brought up that I don't think really many people noticed is that a lot of times, especially in the first half, Maxie was bringing up the balls, getting the offense rolling. It wasn't just James Harden out there. 
And I think that's such a huge dynamic that you're probably going to see a lot of in game five, just because all these key guys we're talking about, Harden, Maxi, and Bede, they're all going to be playing 40 or more minutes. So you, you want James Harden to be as fresh as possible down the stretch of what very well might be a close game. And that's where you can kind of lean on Tyrese to at least dribble the ball, uh, kind of hopefully take some pressure off of James Harden. Uh, so I think that's going to be a key area to watch. Absolutely, absolutely. Maxi is definitely going to be key uh, heading into Game 5 for sure. It's going to be so interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, again, folks, talking to Harrison Grimm, libertyballers.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Harrison underscore Grimm. He is a great, great follow. And I guess to uh, finish this out here, buddy, um, you know, when looking at Game 4, the Sixers never, never win these type of games against the Celtics. And I hope it's a, a sign of good things to come. And that's all I could think about in overtime. They go to overtime and I'm thinking, they don't win these type of games. They, there's no way the Sixers are going to win this. And man, that score of 106 to 105 was so incredibly close. There were a lot of things that went wrong in overtime. There were a lot of things that went right as well. Again, we talked about Tobias Harris, even, even D'Anthony Melton. You know, he has to contribute some more too. The bench has to give a little something as well what part of this team as we're as we're finishing up our discussion here what part of this team needs to really step up over these next couple of games for the Sixers to inevitably win this series yeah I mean the the options are going to be limited the rotation is only going to get shorter and shorter Doc said that today progress yeah yeah and so you know the the guys that we talked about Tyrese and Tobias they, they need to do more uh, offensively, especially Tobias, I get he's chasing around Jason Tatum and sometimes Jalen Brown, and th- that's a big ask. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not taking away yeah. from that, <laughs> but but you know, set, or I think what he had nine points. Nine points is just not going to cut it. It's not. You're gonna you're gonna need fifteen to twenty uh, on decent efficiency. I thought Tyrese was really good in game one, just because he stayed aggressive. He didn't shoot well, but I want to see that aggression more. Uh, going into game five. And as you go down the bench, uh, you're going to need one or two guys to step up. De'Anthony Melton was phenomenal uh, in game one of the Celtics series. He was all right in game three. And like Harden, he's been kind of streaky. But yep. if he's just able to come in and, you know, make Tatum or, or Brown work for their shots, hit a few threes, maybe have 10 points, that that alone is such a huge boost for this team. And it takes that pressure off James Harden and Joel Embiid, where they don't have to be amazing like they were in game four. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> while, while they're capable of that, you don't want to bank on that uh, heading into that game. And I will also I- include Paul Reed in this, who uh, was oh, yeah. really good in, in that in that game one start where he played a large amount of minutes. He stepped it up uh, when Joel wasn't available. Since then, it's, it's been kind of streaky. Um, it, it's, it's a weird dynamic because I think – this postseason, he's been a whole lot more conservative uh, with his energy. It seems like he's afraid to foul a little bit. Exactly. And while I respect that, at this point in the playoffs, he's only going to be out there for give or take 10 minutes. And, and there's a fine line between being too conservative to the point where you're giving up rebounds or, or you're giving up loose balls and and being over aggressive and, and racking up fouls, it, it, it's a tough line to walk. And, and I understand that for Paul, uh, but I would love to see him just come in, 
uh, get some offensive boards, get some defensive rebounds, maybe a lob or two. Things like that can can really play a factor in a game where each team is only playing uh, eight and a half players. So th- those three guys, I think, are, are really going to need to three or four guys are going to really need to step it up for the Sixers to hopefully uh, secure the series kind of differentiating game. At the end of the day, for me, it's all about aggressiveness. They got to continue taking that aggressive nature that 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 we have to win mentality like that was in game one when Joel Embiid was not on the court a must win in game four to keep the series really going because if they had lost and it was a 3-1 series they'd be crap out of luck so anyway Mm -hmm. folks uh and I just got to say, Harrison, it's always great talking to you. And folks, Harrison's been under the weather and he came on here to uh, do this interview and discussion. My friend, I would love to have you on at some other point down the road. When you're feeling better, when you're feeling healthy, get better. Come back and join us. We'll talk more Sixers, my friend. Absolutely. And and hopefully it's good news. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Fun times talking to Harrison, and it's fun to think about how this series, again, as we're recording this on May 8th, is tied. 2-2, the Sixers and Celtics, they're going to be battling it out these next couple of games for sure. Uh, I I have a feeling this could go seven games, and if it does, dear God, I I, I don't know what's going to happen to my heart. My heart is is weak folks it's weak is your heart weak out there let us know philadelphia sports table at gmail.com we'll read about your heart condition that the sixers have been giving you on our show and we'll respond to it so it's gonna do it for us at philadelphia pst on twitter you can follow me at jeffrey underscore warren make sure you follow us on instagram as well just search out the philadelphia sports table and if anything happens to your podcast feed head on over to philadelphia sports table.com we've got all of our shows over there take care folks we will catch you next time Oh, 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 oh,